welcome once again to In the Finest Hour, a 40k competitive podcast giving you tips and strategies you can use in about an hour. I am your host, Sean Morgan, sometimes known as Abuse Puppy, and I have with me, as always, our good podcast host, Shaylin Allen-West. Greetings! And our evil podcast host, Ben Jurek. I don't think I'll ever be first. You've been first a few times. Not with Shaylin here. A few times with her here, just not very often. Never. Good before evil. Good always triumphs, Ben. Look, if I didn't hold a grudge, I wouldn't be evil. Uh, that's fair. That's entirely fair. <laughs> I really, I can't, I can't blame you for that one, especially not because I used to play dwarfs back in old fantasy. Holding grudges is, is great. <laughs> it's exactly what you're supposed to do. Yeah. Okay, so I, I had a little thought before the show, and we, we kind of tossed this idea out here, but... We've talked a lot about uh, tournaments and going to tournaments and the things you bring to tournaments, but one of the things we kind of skipped over is food. What are what are you two's favorite tournament foods? So the favorite tournament food of the two of us, really, Sean, is a pizza mm. because we'll eat it for lunch the next day. Yes, the, the old one-two punch where you, you buy a pizza for dinner on Friday and then you have pizza for lunch on Saturday, uh, or Saturday into Sunday, depending on the, the schedule of your tournament. Uh, it, it, it's pretty good, and there's some pretty good pizza places in some of the tournaments we've gone to. Oh, yeah. Um, though I'm also fond of, at least on the drive-outs, uh, vegetables like cucumbers and carrots, because they're hydrating. Yes, I we we spend a lot of time driving through deserts due to where we are and where the tournaments are. Um, if we go east, there's a desert. If we go south, there's a desert. If we go west, the, you're in the ocean, and so uh, that doesn't happen very often. Um, so we we spend a lot of time driving through deserts, and uh, having some cucumbers or something to snack on goes a long ways from not turning in, you into a piece of beef jerky by the end of the trip. Meanwhile, I live in the desert, so yeah. I, I don't have a choice of not driving through deserts. I, I'm in it. I either go to Phoenix or I go to St. George, Utah, so mm -hmm. it's, it's all desert. Yeah. What about you, Ben? Do you have any uh, big favorites for kind of tournament foods? So for RTTs, I particularly um, always have my backpack, at least if I know I'm going to an RTT that day I'll in with the morning and I get my coffee, my energy drink. Mm -hmm. is all, you typically trust trail mix um, oh, yeah. into my backpack. Uh, on a real note, um, you know, not just talking about our preferences and what we like to eat, uh, Game fatigue's really real, yeah. and um, after you know round one, playing in a round two, if you don't have a lunch, which a lot of RTTs don't, um, that round two can be really rough. Uh, mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. like you can get really drained, and you're you know you're five hours in uh, on your feet, you know, playing this game nonstop at this point, uh, and that if you don't get lunch or you know, you didn't win round one early enough to grab something to eat, uh, that trail mix is a goddamn lifesaver. Yeah trail mix or uh, granola bars if you want something that is maybe a little bit more sort of uh, easily backpack portable uh, dried fruit or anything like that also is very good so actually what I do and this is a habit I got from cross country running is uh, what's just literally something like a power bar because mm -hmm. they have protein in them so it's like it's just sugar the protein so it's long term and short term energy it, yeah. you can last up to two hours on one of the things at least me personally yeah, any of those are fantastic. If I finish early, which I like to do mm -hmm. um, in my round ones, I don't always, but uh, pretty often Playing I do. Um, works. I'll, 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 <laughs> I'll usually uh, I'll usually go across the street from our from from the local games where I'm at, and they have a Jimmy John's there, and I'll get sandwich for me and anybody else that needs one at that time, even if they're still playing their game. Mm -hmm. So, you know, always if if you finish early and you got friends, like make sure that they need that you cover their food too. That's a that's a good good teammate behavior. Yes. Um, allegedly, 
allegedly, um, if there was an LVO this weekend or next weekend and you were to run across it, the other side of the table of me, um, I tip sometimes there are beers that appear in front of you. Mm-hmm. I'm not not saying that, you know, where those beers come from or, you know, if they were smuggled in or whatever. But it's uh, impossible at, at these at these large events, um, you may have a beer in front of you. Yes. Uh, a, a popular option in the Northwest, as we have a lot of uh, game stores that are also bars. Yep. Very popular model. Yes. Uh, in fun fact, Oregon is at the same longitude as Germany, and we have more microbreweries per capita than they do now, but something like that. <laughs> we like our beer here in Oregon. There's like four in my hometown alone. Yeah. Well, why don't we go ahead and move on to our main topic here, which is going to be discussing the changes from the FAQ to the the main, well, not the main rulebook missions, because those are distinct from the General's Handbook missions, uh, but uh, the the tournament missions that we are all using. Um, This is a little bit of a change for us. We normally don't discuss FAQs or... Uh, these sort of more time-sensitive topics, Uh, but this is one that I feel is actually appropriate to the show because we're going to be playing with these missions for a long time. This is not something that's going away in the next FAQ. We're going to be dealing with this for a while, and because it has changes to the core missions, it's something that affects basically every game you'll ever play. So I felt like this was an appropriate topic for the show. Indeed, and also it's really interesting to see how Games Workshop changes their missions. Yeah, they're, they're kind of making some changes in response to player feedback here, which we'll, we'll maybe touch on that a little bit later. Uh, but for the time being, let's just sort of go through and talk about what has actually changed on things. Um, right. And we may as well start at the very top uh, with the first change in the first part of the game. Uh which is the roll-off for first or second turn. Yes. Yeah, that, that's like a change that's almost not a change, but also, but is kind of important if you do want that advantage or have a list kind of like tailored for it. Um, I think an easy way to explain it is 25% of the time you're going to be disappointed with the result. <laughs> it's, it's interesting to look at it that way because... Uh, because it's a roll-off, and you know, it was a roll-off before, just a roll-off with a choice, yeah. um, in theory, if both you and your opponent could make perfect decisions, it does not change anything. Um, because presuming you knew which one you wanted, and they know which one they wanted, and both of you were fully aware of everything, 50% of the time you get the one you wanted, and 50% of the time you didn't get the one you wanted. Um, of course, we don't always make perfect decisions in the game, which does actually alter the math. So this is, in theory, a small nerf to more skilled players, because it it removes a mistake that the less skilled player could make. I will also point out that it does save time. There's no contemplating, there's no discussing, there is a, the dice have decided and it is done. Yes, uh, removing decision paralysis is a very real thing. Um, and honestly, I'm, I am not much bothered by this change at all. Um, I, I feel it does not really affect the game very much. Um, I'm not particularly in favor of it, but it's fine. It, it, it's okay. I don't mind it. I would fall that under a neutral effect. It's, it's not worse, yeah. but it's not better. Yep. Uh, really just kind of simplifies a few things for some players. That seems to be where they're going with ninth is simplification, which I appreciate. Yeah, they're they're trying to pair options down where they they don't affect the game in a positive way. Yeah, it is less opportunity for a mistake. It's a little bit more RNG. There's always the and like you you know exactly kind of um, that if your you know if your opponent really wants to go first, uh, then you know and you roll higher, you can kind of get a better read on it, I guess, but. It doesn't change a whole lot. It it's a second dice roll, um, at you know, because you have the attacker defender dice roll and you have this dice roll, which feels a little awkward. I won't lie. Um, yeah. But at the end, if you once you play it, once you play it out, it's not that bad. Yeah, and the fact that it is a a completely neutral dice roll, just like yeah, you roll to see who goes first, 
and whoever gets higher goes first. Um, makes it feel pretty acceptable to me, especially because it happens after deployment. No plus one, no weird seizing. Yeah, yeah. If they had C's still in the game, it would be a different matter, but yes. <laughs> well, and also, I definitely prefer this to whoever's the smallest army goes first. Yeah, that was... That had some issues. Uh, even if it wasn't... It was an interesting design choice, but maybe not one that worked all that well. Uh, so let's talk about a, a more significant change. The three changes to secondary objectives. Yes. One of these very much affects Shaylin, and I, I'm sure she is quite happy to see that. Would you like me to talk about it? Please. Okay. So Abhor the Witch, also known as the Screw Grey Knights in the Foot Stratagem, um, uh-huh. got switched from being, rather than being Psyker units, to being Psyker characters is the thing you have to kill to get the points. It is both still, uh, but the points were reduced on both of them. Uh, It used to be five points for a Psyker character and three points for a Psyker unit, I believe. Uh, And it is now three points for a Psyker character and two points for a Psyker unit. Ah, okay. This tells me how tired I am, because I didn't read that all the way through. Oh, yeah. It still screws me pretty good, because my army dies pretty easily. Well... So it doesn't really change it that much. It means, oh, I... Maybe I don't have a 15 on my other side. Woo. It's it's much more reasonable to expect that you don't give up 15 on this. You certainly still can, um, but I don't feel it's a guarantee anymore, even for Grey Knights. Because Grey Knights just don't have that many units in their army most of the time. Like, a typical Grey Knight army is going to be like, what, like four characters and four units total? Um... That is potentially 15 points, but if you kill four units and one character, you're just barely beating out 10. I think the point of this move here, no matter what army you're, you're facing, is they're trying to take away the auto 15s. Yeah. Unless, unless that army is like hellbent or unbalanced on being that point. Um, auto 15s against, you know, some really popular armies being Grey Knights, Thousand Suns and such. Mm-hmm. Um, the... It, it's kind of, it creates that level of unbalance, which um, GW wants to try and avoid. They're going to take a very competitive approach uh, with what they're doing because they want people to play the same game. Um, mm-hmm. So you're going to see a lot of these moves in future FAQs and in future chapter approves where you're going to get these balancing plays that aren't necessarily um, more of a you know meta changer, but they're more just a, well, this is a bit unbalanced and is mean to these armies it's rather than buffing or changing those armies, we're just going to change how the missions play out. Uh, it's another angle that they can adjust the game with, really. That's super yeah. true. Um, the other thing here is uh, because it's reduced, unless your opponent brings a lot of character, psychic characters you can get at easily, this is not going to be an appealing one necessarily to take. No, for, especially against armies that don't have psychic units in them to also kill. Um, yeah. your, your opponent really needs to be flooding the table with psychers for Abhor the Witch to be an interesting choice. The only army I could see easily taking it for is Tyranids, because a lot of their characters are psychic and targetable. Yes, and and they also do have some psychic units, specifically the Zoanthrope, um, that are reasonably popular. Um, demons potentially could be, although I don't think they actually field enough psychers for this generally to be attractive, but um, it, I, I think this has lost a lot of its value against many armies, which interestingly is going to push us to see more psychers in armies that only field like one of them. Um, yeah. Because you don't have to worry about denying yourself that potential 15. It's like, well, yeah. you know, I would only get nine points off this anyways, so I, I don't really want to take it, so I may as well have a Psyker in my army so that I can actually interact with the things. Yep. Yeah, I think I think that's kind of leads us into the next one where they where they where they go with a what will be a popular build um, of having lots of vehicles. They uh, took down they took down the uh, the all important um, vehicle. Uh, secondary i can't remember the bring, it name. Sean, bring it down bring it down 
I refer to it as Big Game Hunter, but it's Bring It Down. It essentially <laughs> is Big Game Hunter, although Big Game Hunter is the alternate version of that. Anyway, we'll go into that. Bring It Down is the one we actually care about. Um, so this was reduced essentially by one point each for vehicle kills. So your vehicles with 11 or more wounds are now worth two points instead of three, and your vehicles with 10 or fewer wounds are worth one point instead of two. Mm-hmm. Honestly... This one, I feel the really big change is those 10 or fewer wound ones, because you're having the number of VP you give up. Yeah, you're going to see a lot more spam of, like, those tiny uh, venoms? Venoms. Yes. Venoms, the the various orc buggies as well. The, The orc buggy list has been doing pretty decently for a while now. It's not quite as popular as people were initially suspecting, uh, but it, it's done fairly well at a number of events, and I feel like this is a big boon to that list in particular. Yeah, it used to, I used to give up uh, full points on that on, like, turn two-ish, yeah. maybe. <laughs> um, so not, not doing that anymore will be nice. And it's actually relatively hard to max out. It's another one of those things where you're not... The balance of it, of handing your opponent an easy, you know, 12-plus points was always the concern mm-hmm. and some lists some lists tone down what they would take based on that like if you brought oh, three yeah. plague burst crawlers uh in a you know in a in a death guard list you'd think about bringing other bigger things because you're like ah, well i don't really want them to get too many points on this and then they have the second guest taking the secondary mm-hmm. now they can just kind of do whatever um unless you're really like stacking your field full of a full of these large monsters of vehicles um you're gonna be fine this is, this is and at the same time, when you start doing the math on it, you're like, well, I have to be mostly tabled in order to, like, truly give up this secondary uh, as far as, like, what sort of points you have to invest um, and what they have to kill point-wise. Yeah. yeah. And tabling someone is still a ton of work. Yes. It, it's it's doable, but it's not easy to get rid of that many vehicles. I, I, uh, I was looking at, you know... I was staring it in the face of a six, you know, Harlequin transports, and I was mm-hmm. like, "Oh, I, I don't get crap for points for killing those." Yes, um, <laughs> I guess I'll do something else. <laughs> it is very interesting that the small vehicles are worth so few points. You know, if you if you do think about like that eight transport venom list, it's like, oh, that's that's not even worth taking, even if I do kill every single one of those. Uh... So this, I think this will be an interesting one in terms of how it pushes the meta. We haven't really seen all that much in terms of mechanized lists doing well yet, which I think caught a lot of people off guard. A lot of folks were expecting more vehicle-heavy lists to do better. Uh, certainly I was among them. Um, and seeing the, the meta turn so heavily towards elite infantry with vehicles really being a, a secondary or even tertiary concern... Um, I think w- was definitely a surprise. So maybe this means that these lists do come back in force. I the the thing that gets me with that is my expectation uh, on at least the ninth edition boards has just mostly been, oh, how do where do I drive all these buggies? I can't really fit them where I need them. There's a mm. lot of terrain, so there's there's more than one factor here for sure uh, than ju- than just the fact that they could score secondaries easily. Um, but I, I think I think there's a couple things contributing and making vehicles a little cheaper. Well, that makes them a bit more attractive, obviously, um, as far as putting them in your list and choosing what not to give up. Um, you'll if you look at any of the attractive lists in top fours, and you start you know trying to like spec out what secondaries you're gonna take against it, it's actually pretty hard. Um, there's not there's not a lot of easy choices uh, outside at least the ones that interact with their army. You always have your uh, board-based ones, but the the army ones are few and far between against a well-constructed list. Yeah, a lot of people have kind of leaned away from easily giving up a lot of points, uh, although that's not exclusive. I There certainly are lists that just sort of accept they are going to give up 15 points to something and roll with it. Um, but, you know, you don't want to do that if you can avoid it. Uh, speaking of that, why don't we talk about the the third one here? While we stand, we fight. 
Oh, yes. Uh, for my money, this is actually the biggest of the secondary changes. It was the most popular uh, one taken by uh, by winning competitive lists, at least if you were Space Marines. So yeah. I, I, we, we knew a change was coming, we just didn't know what. And wow, the, the change on this one, it's weird because they changed one word in it, and that completely altered how the the secondary is. Because they, they changed it from the three most expensive models in your army, which was typically going to be three of your HQ characters, yep. into the three most expensive units in your army, which suddenly is a very, very different kind of thing. Often your souped-up something-something badass bomb unit. Yeah, you can you can no longer have a 120-point character hiding behind a 270-point unit of Terminators and have the character be the one who is, while we stand, we fight. Um, a lot of players were... Uh, abusing is maybe a little bit too strong a word, but... Um, relying heavily on this as a mm -hmm. 10 or 15 point secondary because uh, it was very hard to actually get less than 10 points on it if you built your list correctly oh, yeah. um and it, it was also very non-interactive um it just sort of you would deny your opponent the ability to do anything with it uh and i think gw decided that that was not good for the game or for list building and quite rightfully decided to nerf the the secondary a little bit yeah and balance wise it got really weird um because you have some armies that have like really expensive hqs that they can plop this on mm -hmm. um where another army is like well my all my hqs are super super cheap and this one vehicle costs more yes <laughs> this does create some hilarious situations and i'll lay one out for the orcs there out there um I can put it on a unit of mech guns, and then that unit of mech guns splits, oh. and then you <laughs> you have to kill and everything. It gets really, and it gets really funky. So it it applies. You can put it on a unit of Lehman Russes or whichever. Like it hits other armies too. But um, there is definitely some interesting play in being like, okay, well, hmm. all orcs are cheap. I have this unit of mech guns that costs like you know 180 points. And I brought three units of met guns. Now you now need to kill all eighteen of my met guns to, to, in order to not let me score uh, that objective. Yeah. Yeah, splitting gray knight units. That's also yeah. Thing. It's it's certainly a thing for combat squads and stuff like that. Um, but the the met guns, the Lehman Russes, uh, actually one that pops to mind is with uh, custodes. Uh, they oh, have yeah. a stratagem that can split a Terminator unit into just a bunch of individual models. Oh my um, fucking god! <laughs> that would be fairly hilarious to just, like, you know, you, you have your ten-man Custodes Terminators, and nine of them just, like, run forward like a bunch of weirdos, and one of them ducks behind a wall, and it's, it's pretty frustrating. <laughs> yeah, because you can kill you can kill the nine and if the one lives with the way the rules written. Yeah, you still score. You still score. We and like it's there's there's some absolute hilarity here at least with those things. But on the balance side, um, as I said, uh, this is more in concern of there weren't many armies that could take advantage of we stand we fight uh, while we stand we fight and the armies that did get to take advantage to it obviously had a clear. Uh, point advantage over other armies yeah um so it's like it's like do i get to use it yes uh do i score an automatic 10 points yes okay uh does your army get to use it no you don't get, you don't get this option so yeah. um it was unfair uh on the balance perspective at least in this multi-army multi-faction game um and it needed fixing now is the rule itself a relatively good rule and like an abstract? Oh, absolutely. It's one of my favorite rules. Mm -hmm. I've never gotten to use it because uh, I play orcs. Right. Um, but it's it's a, it's a pretty dang good rule. Um, and I, I kind of enjoy this uh, this fix to it. Um, I will try out the 18 met gun list and yeah, <laughs> yeah. instead we fight because, you know, why wouldn't I? I think it does offer some much more interesting options. Um, and to more armies, as you kind of already said. Like, if before, if you weren't one of the handful of armies that could take advantage of it, it was trash. Uh, now, 
it works the same way for everyone, realistically, uh, which means that there are more armies who can potentially do something with it. I still think it's a little bit heavy for uh, people that are able to take, you know, multi-hundred point characters that, you know, can still just hang out. I think that's still very powerful, and I think that's kind of the intention. Um but it it kind of gives a it, it tilts the needle a bit toward being friendlier for other armies to have that even as an option because for the most yeah. part there are some some lists and some armies out there that it's it's just not even an option for them they don't and these secondaries should be relatively open uh, to be, to be picked um, you know based on what you build and what you do where some lists and some armies are like well I I just don't have this as an option it's trash yeah. Um, well, why don't we go ahead and take a little break here, and when we come back, we're going to talk about the really big change to this, namely the end-of-game scoring. And we are back and ready to talk about, I don't know, maybe one of the biggest changes that GW has ever made to the way that scoring works in their missions. Uh, even thinking back to 8th and 7th, uh, this, is, this is a really big change. I, I'm going to make one little comment here. The biggest thing they ever did was come up with a freaking grand tournament packet. Yeah, well that's not a change that's yeah, it was. having a mission uh, you can't change something that doesn't exist they went from having one to not having one yeah assign assigned missions and assigned deployments is actually for my competitive heart on getting practice in has been one of my favorite changes of this edition yeah and the fact that and you know i'm gonna give my kudos shout out here this is gw's first toe dipping into actually like adjusting for meta adjusting competitive play and being on top of the god dang ball mm -hmm. um they're they're listening to the community they are taking feedback they are adjusting things on the fly and in our early ninth edition episodes i i called it out i said now that we're all playing the same game and gw is publishing the rules and we're all playing those rules instead of you know this set of missions or this group or itc or whichever we're all doing the same thing we now have the power through chapter approved since these, you know, since this is a chapter approved book at the end of the day um, to adjust it as we go. Um, and it changes it for everyone. It's a kind of a flat change. Uh, and it's these changes, what we've seen so far are very good and it's a very inspiring and warming and kind of a, a good path path that we're headed on. Um, I'm happy to see what they're going to do in the future as we go on, but really, um, even if you like the rules or don't like the rules, you should all be happy that GW is actually doing something. Yeah, it's it's definitely nice that they are actually making changes in a reasonably proactive fashion here. Uh, let's actually dig down on this a little bit because we haven't actually said. So the this big change is on the final turn of the game, turn five, yeah. player number two does not score in their command phase, they score at the end of their turn which that's huge it's it's enormous it, it's actually kind of hard to wrap your your head around just how big of a change that is for the second player there the thing i was noticing there is it makes you play the final turn yes uh one of the things we pointed out early on and we're certainly not the only one but i know we talked about it specifically the bottom of turn five didn't exist. Uh, you scored your points, and then it didn't matter. Your, your movement, your shooting, your assault, all that, pretty much totally irrelevant. It was picking up secondaries at the last minute, basically. Yeah, if, if there even were any secondaries, because a lot of those also score at the start of the turn. Um, so, yeah, it was... It, it, the bottom of turn five just felt empty and boring it's like you weren't playing the game and that's that's 10 percent of the game right there uh -huh. um, that's exactly what i was gonna say i was i was gonna be like i'm a big fan of numbers that's literally 10 percent of the game uh -huh. that outside a couple of secondaries is absolutely irrelevant yes and 
not only does this overturn that, like, you actually need to play that part of the game now, um, but it fundamentally upsets a lot of what we know about Ninth Edition, because Ninth Edition is all about, like, prepping a turn in advance, where you're doing this, like, okay, I've got to get on this objective now to be ready to score it next turn, and I need to have enough on it that my opponent's counterpunch isn't going to just remove all my models, and, you know, Ben has talked before about the kind of, uh, the pinwheel that you do where, you know, you get an objective and then your opponent moves on to it to deny you the objective, and you're kind of rotating around the board, uh, this is different from all that. Yeah, this is this. Your, your final turn is going to play a lot more like the previous edition, at least on the point swings you're going to see. Um, and this, and I, I like to relate this to game theory and game design. Um, I like to talk a lot about that type of stuff. This is definitely in response to um, the overwhelming feedback that going first in ninth edition. Uh, was clearly the better play. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a direct response to that. Um, this makes going second not you don't lose ten percent of your game if you go second for one. Uh, as far as like your response plan and your ability to earn points, and now you can't really deny your opponent uh, too many points if you're at the bottom, but you definitely have the option to flip a bunch of stuff and score a ton of points. Um, yeah, it's 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 truly something um, that doesn't happen in the rest of the turns obviously uh, and it kind of it kind of does it's just well uh it's it's a bit it's, it's a balancing act um and i think that um with what gw is choosing to do with this and you know looking at the their their data of you know okay going first is an advantage what do we do um i think that's definitely something that this helps un- uh, balance back in another direction the other thing i was observing here is it's not as though first player doesn't get a play in that fifth turn because they didn't really play their fifth turn that much either. Mm. Um, we, Sean and I had several games where it's like, we moved stuff around and that was turn five. Yeah. Because uh, the, the, the first player on turn five is kind of like they score all their stuff and then they may as well just throw all their units directly into the meat grinder because it's like, uh, now that I've scored everything, I don't care what happens to my guys anymore. So, sure, I'll I'll assault with two grots into your Terminator squad to see if I can push you off that objective. Why wouldn't I? Um, this actually changes that a lot because uh, not only does the first player not want to throw all their units away because they want to try and have stuff left by the end of the second player's turn, um, it actually strongly incentivizes the second player to try and conserve units for that final push. Um, Because if you have a couple squads of objective secured guys in that final turn, you do a little bit of shooting, maybe make some advance or charge moves, get onto a couple objectives, it's not going to be all that hard to get a 15-point turn there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Turn five is a lot more tactical now. Um, like as you as you stated, the first player has decisions to make. The first player can't literally run everything off objectives and not care. You still need to hold objectives. Mm-hmm. Um, you still need to hold more than your opponent. Um, there's going to be a lot less what I would call YOLO plays. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. In um, there's, there's going to be a lot less YOLO plays, uh, especially on on the player that's on the top of it, um, which is obviously an advantage for that top player because they're trying to you know outdo you on everything you can do before you before you score in your command phase, uh, and they get to go haha. But now that's not exactly the case anymore. In fact, you um, some might even consider it you know a possible advantage for the second player to be able to flip so much. Um, uh, it's it's going to be interesting. I kind of want to see how the stats play out in this. You know, we're all kind of theorizing here. Yeah. Um, but I'm truly truly excited to see the the stats that come out of this change. The other thing is like the first player has to anticipate what the second player needs to do. So you need to try to block them from getting their final turn to do what it needs to. Yeah, you you need to set yourself up to try and stop them from getting that 15, or whatever it may be. Well, let's let's take a quick poll here, uh, because obviously we are um, maybe talking a little bit out of our asses, as none of us have actually gotten to play at any tournaments with this new mission set up, and very few people have. Um, 
what is our feeling on the balance of first versus second turn now? Uh, do you think this is enough to equalize things? Do you feel like it is not enough? Or do you feel like it actually gives second player an, an advantage? I'll go first. Um, I think first player still has a a small advantage but not exactly on the on a points driven scenario mm -hmm. uh, where you know top of five is you know clearly was clearly better um and going first and establishing your board control is still very much a thing in this edition so mm -hmm. um i think with that the, the, i i still kind of lead toward first depending on what you're trying to play but i think mm -hmm. if you have an idea of you know i want to play a defensive list that does well on you know that does well going second, I think you should be pretty excited about this rule change. Um, I kind of want to see how things play out. I don't really, I can't, I can't for sure, I can't for sure say we're talking out our ass, but. Well, yeah, we're, we're very specifically doing this without any experience. I'm just, I'm curious what your initial impressions are. I still, if I'm playing my orcs uh, and I play them the way I want to play them, I still think I want to go first. Okay. Shaylin, what's your feeling? I literally don't have enough data to have an opinion. Okay, all right. I, mean, I guess that's that's a legitimate opinion as well to abstain. Um, well, in my defense, I haven't played a game in months. Yeah, I I realize that. I, I, I prefaced the question with, "I know we don't have enough ex data to make a real prediction here." I couldn't make a real prediction about it before the change. <laughs> sure, I just I'm just making conversation. That's what the show is about. I'll rewind so, it back a bit and say that you also have to realize that my, my pet list right now is the custom Stampa, and that thing always wants to go first. Well, okay. yeah, that's obviously a little bit different case. Um, so I'm actually going to uh, take the opposite position as, as Ben here. Um, I feel like for a lot of the styles of lists that are doing well, going second will actually be advantageous now. Um, because of that ability to control scoring on that final turn, and because so many lists were already building to be able to hide on turn one, jump in with a counterpunch, etc. Um, I don't think it's going to be an enormous advantage, but I think you will see uh, the, the numbers turn so that, broadly speaking, second player has a slight advantage over first player. Yeah, the uh, I think the biggest thing there that especially for armies, you know, we had an entire episode about flipping objectives. Mm -hmm. That is the fifth turn now, especially for player two. Yes. Like, for, like if you if you have not scored max primary, that is your chance. Do you think we'll see players uh, act actively building to plan for this? Uh, because we've seen the the sort of the rise of popularity of these little uh, action monkey trash units. Um, you know, the cheapest multi-model infantry unit you can find in your codex, whose only job is to sit in an objective and, you know, come out of reserves and get you deploy scramblers and stuff like that. Um, do you think we will see people start including units in their list specifically to make that last turn dash? I think there will be people that will do that. And I think there will be people that have to realize they need to build for going first, because you'll go first about half the time anyways. Sure. So, you, you gotta build your list to do everything. Right, you can't rely on going second, but you can build for the potential of going second. You were gonna say, Ben? Yeah, my uneducated guess... My, my uneducated guess here um, would be this makes particular lists we used to see uh your point denial sturdy bulky type lists mm -hmm. i think those will do exceptionally well um with this rule adjustment whereas they didn't have that clear advantage or thing to take advantage of in order to you know have a reason to exist till fifth turn uh and you know have like suddenly they're flipping things and you're just a durable tanky list and you have more resources than your opponent. It, 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 it gives a reason to not just like blow your entire load, um, on, you know, on those early turns in the game, it, it, it gives mm -hmm. another turn to actually play, uh, for, you know, want to be, you know, f facetious about it. But 
I think those lists will definitely have an advantage in that. Um, also, though, you're more like agile kind of dodgy lists, like your Eldar lists and such, uh, are going to benefit in this. Um, and I think that's going to be more of a natural thing. I don't know how many people are going to purposely build for it just because of what Shaylin said of, well, half the time, you know, on odds, you're going to go first, half the time you're going to go second. But I think the lists that can take advantage of this are going to not really care whether they go first or second is the easiest way to say it. Yeah, I think, I think it will also sort of naturally advantage lists which like to play for the late game already. Um, yeah. armies like Death Guard, uh, where like your turn one is going to be kind of mediocre because you're you're a little slow and you're you're just sort of like trudging forward, not really able to apply a lot of firepower, and then you really get the ball rolling turns two, three, four as your your longevity really comes into play and you're able to leverage that against your opponent. Now to completely talk out of my butt. Um, I think this is also a possible future play mm -hmm. of the idea that hordes that of that hordes may be relatively powerful in the future. Mm -hmm. You know, they're planning for future because like Just... they put these rules out with the idea of what codexes are coming out in the near future. Right. Um, so you realize that like this came out right before the Dark Eldar Codex. So Venoms are probably going to be a thing as far as rule changes. Um, so they have an idea and some vision that we don't have uh, when they make these rules. So. I was going to say, I would expect that as we go forward here, they are going to bring up the cost of light vehicles a little bit, uh, especially extremely fast ones that can carry obsec troops like the Venom. Um, because, you know, the possibility of seeing 11 or 14 Venoms on the table when they're only giving up one point each is uh, maybe something GW has concern about. I don't have it in front of me, do are grotesques? Do they hit bring it down points, or is that is it? No, uh, bring it down is explicitly vehicles and monsters. Vehicle. Uh, the Talos does, but grotesques are not. Yeah, so I'm just kind of like trying to see through the you know the see read between the lines on possible future things because they're they're mm -hmm. going to adjust this for the next couple codexes before. Um, stuff comes out too. They, you know, they they have their 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 play. They have their play testers that leave feedback on those. So there has to be some adjustment. I you know I kind of want to have faith that 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 thing's happening. You know I want to believe that they're that good at what they do. So um, I'm I'm kind of hopeful that some of these adjustments are based on the idea of what's coming out in the near future. Um, and I think this rule change on you know sturdier stuff and giving advantage of that on that on those last couple turns is actually kind of a weakener for hordes. Uh, to be honest. Yeah, it could be. It's it's definitely hard to know how much they are future-proofing their design here. And it could be what they're doing is they're just adjusting the existing design just to, like, bring it up to a stable place before they make more adjustments. Yeah, that's also possible. <laughs> yeah, you always had the power creep in the edition, um, and I think, I think them being able to adjust emissions like this uh, and adjust secondaries and such at their will and as quickly as they can um with a whole bunch of feedback because now all like who do you leave feedback with now just just them not you don't have multiple sources taking in feedback yeah um I, I think with that sort of scenario it's much easier to kind of not get this extreme power creep that we've seen in previous editions yeah hopefully we won't see as much of that, and honestly, I think it is, it's it's not quite so much power creep as it is, um, well, design competence. Um, we've often seen that, like, at the start of the edition, they don't really know what they're doing. And I'm hoping that that is less the case with Ninth, where um, the early Ninth edition codices, such as Necrons and Space Marines and whatnot are more in line what we will see late in the edition. There is, of course, absolutely no way for us to know if that will be the case at this point, um, but it feels like they are more aware of the choices they're making as opposed to just sort of stumbling into those choices. So from an engineering perspective, if you consider 8th edition, 9th uh, edition point z version 0, and this is version 1, 
mm-hmm. um, there was a lot of learning they did there. And it's very clear yeah. that they're learning and they're applying and they have clearly someone here who has understands game design on their team finally. Or at least are listening to those people more, I feel. Yeah, however it's happened. Yes. The thing I want to kind of approach here, since we've done nothing but, you know, praise them and say good things about things, is there are so many other secondaries that could have adjusted. We can be critics here. We can say that, you know... Oh, like the ones you would never take? Like the kill the warlord one? Yeah, yeah, Slay the Warlord is trash. <laughs> cut, cut, cut off the head is definitely, like, a complete joke, um, just in terms of the, the number of points. The one I would actually like to call out that, like, maybe is the the most awkward, um, because they, they tone down, you know, bring it down and abhor the witch so that those don't screw their respective armies as bad anymore. You know which one they didn't do that for? Titan Slayer. Oh, yeah. If you're a knight list, you just give up 15 points. Because they're gonna kill three Titanic models. You know what, Sean? Let me tell you something. Knights can go screw themselves. Yeah, I'm a little conflicted because I also... I don't like knights in the meta. I don't feel like they should be a part of the game. Uh, But at the same time, if they're gonna put them in the game, like, let them be a real army. So... It's it's an odd choice. I think there's room for balance. I, I, I like knights. I think there's room for balance. I think Titan Slayer, while it gives up 15, knights don't really give up other secondaries like other than that. They don't have a multi-kill secondary or something that you know they're going to give up a total of 20 or 30 points. They just give up the 15, and then you have your board-based ones. Yeah, but so, how, how many armies actually give up multiple 15s? Like, that's really rare. Uh, multiple 15s yeah that that that's that's an extreme extreme but i just want want to be on the point of like some armies they, they do give up you know two versions of secondaries where you can competently score maybe 20 points where you have this 15 so I, I think that's a balancing move i don't think it's fair i think i think a max of 12 on uh on that would probably be fair if we're gonna yeah. you know it, deliberate about it it, it especially um, hurts because knights are also bad at the primary mission right now um, yeah. so they're, they're bad at the primary and they're bad at the secondaries. They're, they're kind of in the same boat as Tau in that respect where like, oh, we just don't play this game very well. Yeah. I, I, I kind of wish that, you know, they targeted all the secondaries that we were using, but they didn't really go after the secondaries we weren't using Yeah, is the easiest way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it may be that they're holding off until, uh, the next chapter approved to really do any big work there. Uh, you know, that's speculative, but I wouldn't be that shocked. Because if you give us, like, there's there's definitely a game design idea there. If you give us more options, uh, maybe we won't always take that option. But once again, things kind of boil down to a meta of, well, these are the options you take. But come on, like, some of this stuff is trash. Yeah, I I know recently BCP has been starting to enter in things where you can enter in their secondaries and that can actually get tracked better. I think that's part of the problem, is they aren't tracking what isn't getting taken. They're getting complaints about things that are taken and are causing unhappy gameplay. Well, and yeah, BCP improving its tools there, uh, down under pairings, has had that for a while now, and some other tournaments do, like, manually record it. But the more information they can get, the, the better they're able to kind of make some of these decisions. So I think at least in that respect... Uh, GW has some much more useful tools for improving their game design. Yeah, I uh, I think you know if I as far as like ones that should be taken more often, uh, like I think then their ranks definitely could have used a slight you know mm. a slight buff on either on either VP or mo- or model counter whichever because like if they they're not playing 150 plus but they're playing 120, you still don't score max and you still like table them. Yeah, that, that's. That's well. That's, yeah, that be, one can be good. It's an easy. It's an easy objective that could be good, but it's not. <laughs> before this devolves into a discussion of how everything we wish we would change would be different, uh, let's go ahead and wrap up our thoughts on our our main topic here. Um, it sounds like we're all pretty positive about these changes generally. Um, do we feel like this is going to? broadly speaking, fix the problems that the game has had? Uh, are there any big big dogs that you think got missed in this? 
I think fundamentally this changes the game in enough of a way where you're going to see a lot more balance um, as far as you know what armies can compete well because uh, they obviously took away from armies that had very uninteractive way to get points uh, and they made turn five actually a thing which you know boosts and nerfs certain things in certain directions these are these are all obvious balance plays um and as i love balance uh so i guess do you feel like this dethrones any of the top obvious armies i i think the uh while we stand we fight uh change um definitely changes uh how space marines are going to play that's 100 uh shaylin your thoughts? My thoughts is work rock and not having time to do the research to be able to answer the question. No, oh, all right, fair enough. So, hopefully, this has provided a a good guide to everyone for these new changes and maybe some things for everyone to chew about and think on. Um, if you have other questions or you want to get in contact with with us about something in these missions, or even just you want to talk about your army list for a little bit. You can reach us at inthefinesthour at gmail.com. And if you're looking for a little bit more extended conversation or you would like to help support what we do here, we have a Patreon, which is also In the Finest Hour. And for $5 a month, you can get access to our private Facebook group as well as the Discord server that we all hang out on. And you can talk about army lists and who's getting married to who and maybe see some stupid 40k memes or maybe a picture of someone's computer. All of the cool and wonderful things that our hosts like to post up. So thank you very much to everyone in the Patreon. We really appreciate what you do, and it allows us to help pay for all the hosting and equipment that we need to keep this show running. I'd like to thank Rylan Woodrow for his epic art with extra fire and extra badassery. And then, as always, we'd like to thank Dank Muse for the wonderful sounds that we use on our show. And if you'd like to listen to some of those sounds yourself, you can find him on SoundCloud, YouTube, or Spotify. All right, I think that wraps us up. Next week, we'll be talking about a subject that I think is near and dear to a lot of our audience, just statistically speaking, uh, and that is being a mid-table player, something that everyone is familiar with from some point. <laughs> and maybe some people are going to get reacquainted with after the pandemic ends. Yeah, one would hope. I would definitely put myself in that category these days. Yeah, well, I think everyone is at best a mid-table player right about now. So, for In the Finest Hour, I've been Sean Morgan. Shailen Allen West. Ben Drake. Thanks for listening.